Hallelujah. Jesus is in the house. Amen. Jesus indeed is in the house. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If you if you didn't get that, hallelujah. Here we are and we'll we'll go deep into it. You know, in today's world, here people are people are still doubting Jesus. Hallelujah. People are still doubting his miracles. They're still doubting this. But we know, we know, we know, even as we say happy Easter to ourselves, we know that he is the reason Christ. Hallelujah. We know that he conquered death. We know that he raised from the dead. We know that Jesus conquered the grave. We are testimonies that he healed the sick. Hallelujah. If you believe it, say amen. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He made the blind to see this is the same Jesus that we serve and guess what like it or lump it after three days when he died he rose again from the dead hallelujah I don't care whether you don't believe it I don't care whether you don't know about it we are confident hallelujah and he did all of those things all of these things and he was kind and he was good and he still is today what an awesome god we serve hallelujah i am so excited you know what if we sat here all day it'll probably take all day to list out the things that jesus did the things he does and the things he's yet to do hallelujah so i don't care who doubts and the funny thing is if you didn't quite get the end bit where Nicole was saying, unless Jesus comes to me, a bit like Dalton Thomas, and taps me on the shoulder. And sometimes even when Jesus comes to his own, they still doubt him. They still don't believe. Hallelujah. So this morning, I just want us to just, before the word, just close our eyes and begin to give God all the glory. I want us to begin to thank God. I want us to exalt his name. I want us to worship him. I want us to thank him. It's Easter today. Today is Easter Sunday. Today is the day, not the day he died. You know, this is the day we remember that he rose and he rose to set us free. He brought new life to us. If it wasn't for his death and his resurrection, we will not be here today. I want us to just open our mouth and acknowledge him. Acknowledge him for who he is. Acknowledge him for what he is. Acknowledge him because of you and I. Christ died. He took the pain. He took the shame. He took it all for our sake. Open your mouth and just say, thank you, Jesus. Even as we commit the word to God this morning and say, Lord, I decrease in the name of Jesus. I rebuke anything that is not of you. And I ask that you who is God, you will take your throne. You will take your place, oh God. Lord, I ask that you will come and speak through me this morning. You will bless us and that nobody will leave this place the same in Jesus precious name I pray. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. We give God all the glory. Hallelujah. It's been, I've had fun just watching and, and being blessed and being ministered to. And um, I pray that through the course of the service, even through the word, God will continue to reveal himself to us. I'm always excited. I'm always blessed. I always feel privileged. Thank you, pastors, as usual, you know, for not just the Sunday school, but even to have the opportunity to share the word again. So I bring you greetings and I say happy Easter to everyone here and everyone online. Praise God. We're going to try and see that we finish on time by his grace. Amen. Um, this morning... I, I have titled my message, the, Declare the Evidence. Say to your neighbor, declare the evidence. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, declare the evidence. 
Hallelujah. If you're familiar with all those um, Nollywood or you're familiar with those African kind of police people, when they say, hey, what do you have? Show me your papers. You know, what they're asking is give me some money. Hallelujah. This morning when I'm saying declare the evidence, I'm not asking you to give me some money, but I'm asking you to declare the evidence. And I'm going to break down the word declare and I'm going to break down the word evidence so we can look at it in the context of what we're sharing today. Hallelujah. So declaring the evidence is, is, is something I have been studying, I have been chewing, I have been trying to understand and then looking at where we are in Easter, even more important to be reminded, as I always say, the word of God is there to, um, you know, when, when we come out to share, it's to remind us, it's some things we already know, it's not there to condemn us, it's there to help us recharge our spirits, hallelujah. Taking the word declare, to declare means to proclaim, Hallelujah. That's one way to proclaim. You you state something. You know, if if they when they started to say things like um Boris Johnson, he wanted to say stay at home, you know, social distance, all of these things. He declared, he he made a declaration, which like it or not, we all had to adhere to. Another way to look at to declare is to affirm, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. You affirm, you say with authority, you say like you, you know it and you mean it. You affirm when you make a declaration. And if you hear, I watch something on, on YouTube or WhatsApp, this little child, I decree and I declare and I decree and, I, and you can feel whether or not. So you hear, we Christians, our language, I decree and declare. Hallelujah. You make an affirmation, you stand firm. Another way to look at it is to state, you're saying something. I'm just declaring, I'm stating. Another way is to formally make known or to formally announce and, of course, to show. So you can declare your papers. Hallelujah. As those people say, show me your papers, declare your papers. If I hold on to the word evidence, evidence means the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or a proposition is true or valid. So you're looking at the evidence, something that is, what, what have you got? How can you, I'm one of those people, if you come and say you want to sell a growth tablet to me, I want to see that you've grown. Hallelujah. So I like to see the evidence of what you're sharing. Don't come and sell something to me if you don't. I watched this thing. I'm not going to say what it was, but it was on WhatsApp. And this lady was selling different type of healthy tablets to make you size zero. If you see the lady that was selling this, Oh, Lord, have mercy. And I thought, you need to drink those tablets. When you've drank the tablets, then you come and speak to me. So that's how I roll. I like the evidence. I like you to show me. And B, you, you, when you sell something, let me see it in you. If you're selling shoes, I don't want you to come in with something that is praising God. Hallelujah. And then you're selling me some. No. Hallelujah. But when we look at the evidence, I say it's the body of truth available to back up a claim. So evidence in itself really is the truth. So when you're talking about people declaring evidence, so if we put the two words together, my Bible tells me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you're declaring the evidence, what I'm inviting you to think carefully about is to declare Jesus. Hallelujah. But in declaring Jesus, um, and, and, and actually um, in today's world, we, we know that Sometimes the world, as much as we want to declare Jesus, not everybody will believe, not everybody will accept it. We saw what happened in the drama. We saw people still doubting God. And sometimes it's because they've not heard and sometimes it's because they've not experienced. Hallelujah. But in, in the line of just going to, you know, in, 
in the line of work that I, I do, when we look at, we talk a lot about evidence-based practice, evidence-based practice. And when we, when we talk about evidence, we're asking people, you know, people get into trouble. I have people who are bringing a case against another person and somebody, you know, you have the accuser, you have the defendant and all of these people come together. And you will find that sometimes even when we're in court, the, the judge will say, where is the evidence? And he will throw the case out of court because it just doesn't count. Many people would have experienced that in their personal lives. But when I look at parents, when you are in a place of desperation, you are really desperate for something. And then somebody's accusing you and you know that you've got a lot at stake. I want you to hold on to these words because much later it would make some sense. You've got a lot at stake and somebody's coming to say, unless you show me the evidence, I'm taking this from you. Hallelujah. Unless you show me the evidence, I watch these parents desperate. Some will go and they will stand in corners. They will take pictures. Some will go and speak to people. They will gather. What, what they're trying to do is to gather their evidence desperately. You would see some will coach their children on what to say just as part of the evidence. Some of them, on the other hand, you would find that they will go to, they will go to people like their GPs. They will go to lawyers. They will go to people who are credible. I want you to hold on to those words. They go to credible people to help them back up the evidence that they're trying to look for. And on the other hand, the accusers will be standing in street corners, taking photos, photos that may suit the corner that they're coming from. Hallelujah. You know, you can take a photo to suit your corner. So everybody is in a battle. And this is the world we're living today. Hallelujah. Everyone is in a battle trying to gather their own evidence to counter what the other person is saying. I stand sometimes and I'm looking at papers before me. I'm looking at people. I'm looking at documents. I'm listening. Some people say, they come to court and they say, I've come with my neighbor who, who knew me from when I was a baby. She's going to testify for me. Why? For them, that's the kind of person they believe knows them and can evidence for them. So the kind of things we're looking around, around evidence is, one, your documents. What have you got to show? What, what concrete evidence have you got? You're looking at people who can eyewitnesses. Some people will say, I can tell you I was in the car and that woman came and she was the one that did this. So I held my children. I wasn't drunk. I was just feeling a bit. And meanwhile, on the other hand, you will find the local authority saying, okay, I, I get you. So when you were stumbling, you weren't drunk. Let's do a hair strand test. They do a hair strand test and they say the amount of cocaine in this hair can feed a village. So your evidence is knocked out. And then you, you're still, and that is the battle that I see. Ultimately for me, what I'm then asking myself in all the evidence that is declared, I have to reach an outcome. In, in the nature of my work. And the outcomes that I reach will either be substantiated, which is saying there's enough evidence to show that what you're saying does count. Or I would say it's unsubstantiated because um, there's neither enough evidence to prove guilty or innocent. And that's a painful one. People always say, Jesus, why would you know? What's the outcome? Unsubstantiated. So what are you saying? You're neither guilty nor innocent. You know what? When we sit and listen to that in the, in the context of legal terms and all of that, it may sound, but let me tell you, today, even for us, as I go deeper, you would find the guilty or the innocent Christian or sitting here today when you're lukewarm. Your evidence is neither guilty nor innocent. You're on the fence, neither here nor there. Hallelujah. So put it in that context. So I also look for other, other things. I look for things called, um, one of the outcome is malicious. 
the intent to deceive. When somebody sets out intentionally to deceive or to discredit someone, hallelujah, and people do it. My mother is a witch from this, that, you Regardless of race, everybody, you'll be shocked how many people hold on to that. My mother is this, that, and the other, and she'll be this. And then when you listen and you listen, you think, this is just what the Nigerians were called by Bele. It's just malicious. Then you have unfounded, where there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that that thing ever even happened. So this is the world we're living in today, where we as children of God have to remind ourselves constantly We've got the world who are trying to discredit the truth, being Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Now, I, I've been, because as I was preparing the word through the course of what I was doing, I was once saying, I can't wait for the, um, the Easter break. I can't wait. And many people had different reasons why they were waiting for the Easter break. As I listened to people, some of them were saying, oh, I'm so grateful that we can now meet in bubbles of two or whatever it is. Excuse me, I'm finally going to meet with my family. We're going to get some Easter eggs. We're going to prepare some um, coating. You know, they blow the eggs and they color the eggs. And the focus of Easter, as I listen to people, has been mainly around the Easter eggs, has been mainly around meeting up with family, has been mainly around what they can do. And now if we look at the world in itself, we'll be thinking, what does Easter mean? I looked online, I looked at what people refer to Easter. Some said, some actually said it's a Christian belief. It's where Christians believe that Jesus rose. Not that they believe, but Christians believe. Others said it's the beginning of spring. It's a new life. Others said it's, you know, when they eat the egg and when they have all the Easter eggs, it's the springing of new life. Hallelujah. And so different people, thanks. Sis. So different people have different reasons why they believe that, thank you very much, why they believe that Easter is celebrated. And if we look at them by ourselves um, as children of God, if we look at the people of the world, we will say they don't have the truth in them and they're not declaring the evidence because all they're doing is talking about um, is talking about Easter eggs. When we look at the word we put, I don't know if it came up earlier, Luke 24, 11, it's, it, it, when you, even in the past, even historically, the, the restoration of Jesus, the, the, the Bible in Luke 24, 11, it said that when the women, when people went there, they said it was nonsense. Can we have Luke um, 24, 11 up, please? It looked at it as, as though, this is unimaginable. How could it be that somebody actually died and rose? We had the girls earlier who were, who were talking and they said, really? You know, in this day and age, somebody died, he rose and he did all those things. And Luke said, but these words seemed like nonsense to them. Hallelujah. And they did not believe the women. And that's the society we live in today, where people look at us and they think, are you for real? How can you say Jesus died? This whole Easter thing, it's all about meeting family. So we have the world on one side. We then have, strangely, believe it or not, for those who don't know, we have our children who also question whether it's true that Jesus died. I have one of my children who will very often say, like Nicole in the drama, unless Jesus comes and talks to me. He asked me the other day, he said, um, mom, does Jesus really speak to you? I said, yeah. He said, has Jesus spoken to you today? So I said, yeah, he has. I read the Bible. He said, how? And he looked at me, you know, like, and I said, well, I read the Bible this morning and he had his word for me. He went, oh, that's just you reading. That's not like him. I said, but he speaks to us through his words. He speaks to us. Then he said, no, 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 no. Mom, 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 has Jesus really come in your face and spoken to you? And these are children in the church. 
Hallelujah. These are children in the church that are doubting whether or not Jesus is real and whether or not Jesus actually healed the blind, whether or not he raised the dead, whether or not Jesus resurrected. And if we're not careful, our children will drift into the whole Easter egg, into the same thing like Christmas. I'm sure over Christmas, we talk about it a lot. Now, if I look at the world and their doubts, I look at the children, our children, whether in church or outside, and their doubts, we may say, oh, but that's not us. What I do want to do this morning is to pull together some evidence, and for our children, thank God that today's children's service. I want our children to listen very carefully. As I said to you, for evidence, you look at eyewitness, you look at factual information, you look at um, credible sources, Hallelujah. And actually, you also look at what people who, you know, you might say, oh, like I said, you know, with the, with the parents and the children, they might coach their children on what to say. But you have times where you don't coach people and people are not even in your camp and they can be credible sources. So I want to take us back to the Bible this morning. I want us to look at the Bible very carefully, see what facts we can draw from the Bible. And then we'll go into phase two. Phase two is where we sit in declaring that evidence. Hallelujah. So if you will, please, um, I'd like us to turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to do a bit of reading there and then I'll pull out some facts. So let's see what the Bible tells us and let's see how Paul makes his own declaration and how he declares his account. And I will break down very carefully. I took time because I started getting really disturbed in my spirit when I started to have all those questions brought to me. How do you know Jesus is real? How do you? And I thought, Lord, this is a battle we are going through. And that's why it feels like court. It feels like being before the court. Sometimes as parents, you have to really go back to your brain to pull out the word. And if you don't have the word, then how do you answer this young children? Hallelujah. And that's why I thank God for Numa, because in Numa, we are feeding the word. Hallelujah. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. I'll go from 1 all the way down to, I think, 18. And Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So this is the gospel. By which also ye were saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached you, unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So what's Paul saying? You know what? Even for us sitting here today, if actually Jesus did not die and all of this is then, then we're, we're, our faith is useless. We're wasting our time. I've been asked as well. I've been asked, mom, what if you know you wake up and all of these things we're doing as Christians is a dream or it's not real? And actually, what if the other faith is the real one? What would you do? I said, it's a gamble I'm prepared to take. Hallelujah. It's I'm prepared to take it. Hallelujah. But this is where our children sit. Verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, which also I received. What are we given? What did we receive? How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. I'm looking at my credible evidence. The, the scriptures, which by the way is a credible source of evidence, and I'll go into that. It says Christ died for our sins. And he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you're asking me, how do I know? And I will refer to other places. Hallelujah. And five says, and that he was seen eyewitnesses. Hallelujah. He was seen of Cephas, then of 12. After that, he was seen above of 500 brethren at once. 
So you're doubting that Jesus died and that he rose. The Bible tells me that one, the scriptures tells me that he did die and that he did rise from the dead, but also that people saw him. Hallelujah. And I can hear the critics say, but that's the Bible. Well, come. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So after that, he was seen above 500 at once of whom the greater part remain until present eyewitnesses, but some are fallen asleep. So those who saw him, some, are, some had died at the point of the scripture and some were still there. After that, he was seen of James, then of all apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of born out of due time. So Paul was sort of describing himself. And you know what? Jesus will come to us regardless regardless of where you see yourself in a position, whether you're big, small, old, young, as long as your heart is ready, Jesus is there for you. The Bible says um, from nine, for I am the least of the apostles that I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Even if you're sitting and you're still doubting and you're saying because of my sins, last week um, and the week before Deacon Jade just smash that for us in terms of talking about sin. The devil will lay things in your heart that will want to cause you to feel condemned, not to feel able to be one of those that will experience Jesus. The Bible is telling us regardless, hallelujah, but by God's, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there's no reservation from the dead? But if there be no reservation of the dead, then Christ is not reason. And if Christ is not reason, then is our preaching vain and our faith also vain. If Christ didn't die and all this, then hey, there we are. 15, yea, and we have found false witness of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not, if so be that the dead rise not. 16, for if, there, if, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in, in, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. This is the Bible. This is the scripture. Hallelujah. What I want to do then is to pluck out some things that I want us to hold on to. I said to you earlier that when you look at somebody who's desperate, you're saying, I'm going to remove all your children, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to send you to prison, whatever the case may be. Hallelujah. If we give real deep thoughts to our role as children of God and somebody standing and telling you that actually this thing you're doing is all in vain. With some desperation, I think we ought to back ourselves with some evidence from the word. Now the scriptures, I'm just going to knock off very quickly. So if we look at the scriptures, the Bible tells us that the scriptures is a reliable, it's a reliable source. If you go, who, wherever you go, whether they're Greek, white, whatever your race, whatever, people count on the Bible. People refer to the Bible. The Bible, if you go to, you know, people write books and when people write books, historians and all those people, we go and we refer to them. If you're writing a coursework or something, you would use them as a reference. The Bible is known. The Bible is a credible source. So if you're doubting, how do you know? Is it because the Bible said it? Yes, 
Because the Bible said it. The Bible is a reliable and credible source of information which is quoted by so many. And it will stand in evidence. Hallelujah. Amen. We, have, we also have reliable accounts in the Bible by people like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, giving accounts of the scripture. Now, if you look at the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all of those who, if you take time to study the resurrection, all of those who talk about the resurrection, one of the things that will make us know that they're actually are credible and they've not been um, tailored or monitored to repeat the same thing is you will find the similarities, but you would also find the differences in the way they give their accounts. Hallelujah. The way they give their account, you won't see two of them. We, we used to know, and I still do, when you go and you ask, even our own birth children away from work, you know, when you say, where is daddy? All the children would just echo, my dad is sleeping. You're kind of like, oh, okay. Why? They've been coached. Literally, that's not on the phone. Dad wants to speak. Dad is sleeping. So you know, so we see these children. You go to the house and you knock on the door. You can see the stench coming through. You can see that these children, they will go, my bedroom is clean. Before you even ask. They feel like they've been tailored. They've been monitored all to say the same thing. Then they will go, you say, I want to speak to you guys. I mean, gone are those days when I had to, you know, but some people relate with that. And then you would say, um, I, I want to speak to your mom. You know, has this, they say, my mom is an angel. My mom's wonderful. And they're just repeating like echo. You're like, and at that point, you would see these people just writing down, they've been coached. They've been told what to say. And that forms the report. That forms the evidence. Why? We're looking at accounts where people have been coached. But the Bible tells me, when you look at Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, all of them, they have differences. One of the credible things about eyewitnesses is, or people who give accounts is, when you see those differences, because you're seeing it from another angle. If I ask Pastor Manasseh what he can see, perhaps by um, Kezia, Pastor Manasseh can, des can describe Kezia as crossing her leg, this and the other. If I ask Deaconess Miriam, she will say Kezia is just sitting down. Why? Where you're looking from will vary and that will affect your account. But this is credible because none of these people have been coached. They've given the word as it is. Now, looking back, you know, um, you, you could tell, you could tell the similarities, you could tell different, take your time and read them. Now, if you look at factual evidence, if we look at Matthew 27, 62 to 66, I, there, there again, and we're looking at, they said in the word, and I'm just going to kind of um, paraphrase, they had gads and they had secured the grave because when they, when they put Jesus in the tomb, they were worried that this man had said he will rise again and that this is what he was going to do after three days. He actually said following the crucifixion, Christ was buried and put in the grave. And after three days, he was going to rise again. So these guys were so scared. They were really worried. They thought, what's this? What's going on here? So they got strong armed soldiers, strong men to guard the grave. Hallelujah. And even according to the gospel of Mark, you said the stone rolled to cover the grave was so big, it would have needed about 20 strong men to roll it. Hallelujah. But even with all of that in place, the factual evidence is that when people go even till now, where Jesus was buried, people, people still struggle. I was studying and looking at some historians. Apparently, nobody's actually sure. When people go on, um, on um, what's it, when they go to Jerusalem and they go, they said people are not even sure which particular one to point sometimes because Jesus is no longer there. You know, if you go and you're digging up the dead and the grave, you might find bones. You might find things to say, okay, this is where he was buried. But actually, Jesus is no longer there. 
So there's factual concrete evidence to show that Jesus actually rose because his body was not there. When Mary Magdalene and the, the, the other Mary, when they all went there with the spices, they found that he was gone. So there's factual evidence that this guy who, the guard, strong men, you can imagine if they put strong men there, they would not allow anybody to come around there. Even if, as people claim that they wanted to steal the body of Jesus, how will they have stolen with the guards in place? Hallelujah. But Jesus is no longer there. He's risen. And that's why we're here today. That's why we can freely celebrate. That's why we have the confidence. That's why we have the deliverance because Jesus is risen. And there's factual evidence to say he is risen. Then we look at eyewitnesses. Hallelujah. The Bible, as we read earlier, it tells us that there were over 500 eyewitnesses that were able to testify that Jesus had risen because Jesus appeared to them. They had no reason to lie. Jesus appeared to them. Hallelujah. Then, interestingly, when we then think, okay, some people will tell me, that's the Bible. Mom, you know you like the Bible or uncle, auntie. All you guys talk about is the Bible, Bible, Bible. So it's from there. That's fine. Now, I, I went deeper and I was studying. I was looking for people that were anti-Christian, anti-Jesus, anti who also could testify. So we're looking for credible evidence. Remember earlier, I told you that these parents, they will go to the GP. They will, they will get expat evidence so that you do not touch their children. Hallelujah. Now, historians, I found that some of them who were biased, who did not like Jesus, who did not like all of those things, and were not even Christians. There was one particular one called Tacitus, a Roman historian. He attested to the fact that, uh, to the reservation, and yet he wasn't a Christian. So even if you're looking for the Christians, he was not one, but he attested to the fact that Jesus actually, there was the whole reservation thing that took place. So if we are biased, he wouldn't have to, had to be. There was another historian called Je Je um, Josephus. He was Jewish. Hallelujah. He again referred to the execution. Hallelujah. So there were people who actually referred to this. And yet, after all of these things that I put before you this morning, believe it or not, there are people who still don't believe that Jesus rose or he died or he did all of those. Now, for me... That's fine because our, for them, they need, to, they need to encounter Jesus. If they're doubting Jesus, if they're not evidencing Jesus, if they're trying to uh, be malicious about Jesus or they're trying to unsubstantiate the fact that Jesus existed. Now, for me, the greatest and the most relevant evidence of our times in this day is you and I. And that's where I want to focus for a few minutes before we finish. It's you and I. I've been just smacked here, there and the other trying to really understand this. Hallelujah. So all of these people had the word. They had all of these things and none of them believed. They didn't want to know. And that's fine. But you and I who say we believe that Christ died and he rose. What are we doing to declare the evidence? What sort of evidence are we declaring? What does our life? I'll tell you what. Now, Let's turn our Bibles to John 14, um, 12. Hallelujah. Let's, let's look at that. Because as far as I'm concerned, today's world, the, the evidence, the greatest evidence that they can receive and the evidence that they're looking for is the evidence in you and I. They may not be able to read the Bible. They may not be able to go and study what they can see. We are the evidence and we are the ones to declare what God has asked us to do. Luke 14, 12 says, he who believes, he who believes in me, and I'll, I'll read that as well. 
the works that I, I, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Jesus has an expectation for us to carry on declaring the evidence. The Bible says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will do, will also do the works that I do. So now when we're looking at the works, I'm going to come down and break the works that Jesus did because it's easy for us to look at the world and think about what they've done or what they haven't done. But for us, what are we doing? Hallelujah. It says, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. So there was the part that was there for us. The Bible, Jesus coming to 500. And if you look at some people, they'll think, oh my God, that's so ancient. That's like a long time ago. But actually what Jesus did was when he was leaving, he mandated you and I to carry on the good work. He mandated us to continue to declare the evidence. He said to us, I, when, I, when I read that initially, I went, can I do greater than Jesus? Hallelujah. Can we really do greater than Jesus? But this was what Jesus commanded. So when we look at all those evidence, the Bible, the eyewitnesses, all of those things, fine, fantastic. The main evidence, the world of today, they are looking at you and I to carry on. It's like a father leaving a legacy. You're, you, you know, in some cultures, if you don't have a male child who will carry the name of the family, it's like something wrong has happened. Jesus is saying, we are the ones carrying that name. If people didn't believe because they thought those miracles were so big, what about today? Hallelujah. Jesus is looking for us. How do we declare the evidence of the resurrection? Hallelujah. What are we doing differently that will cause the world to see that actually this is real? There's something about this people. You often hear people say they said there was something. They just saw me. I remember knowing this lady. And every time I spoke to her many years ago, I used to think, wow, this lady just sounds like Jesus. She was so humble. She was so soft-spoken. She was so kind. There was something and I know a number of us will say we've been referred to in that way. Hallelujah. Let's break down some of the things Jesus did. Even what this girl said today that seems unreal. Because actually for the world, it seems unreal. Now, if we look at the fact that um, uh, Jesus himself in all that he was doing, um, he, he fed 5,000. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about, you know, when I say actually we can do more. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about you putting up this big weddings where you can feed so many people. Hallelujah. That's not the 5,000. We could feed a bigger multitude than Jesus ever fed. So when Jesus says greater things that we can do, we can. Because what we can do is to feed them with the bread of life. We can feed them with the word of God. And the word of God is something that when you eat, you will never hunger again. Hallelujah. We can feed them. I hear people say many years ago when I was younger, I used to be on fire for Jesus. I used to evangelize. Oh my God, I'll be on the street. I know we've had COVID, we've had the restrictions, but actually we've also found that in this generation of COVID and everything, there are other means that we can reach out to people. Jesus fed 5,000 and their physical body, and Jesus did feed their spiritual bodies, but their physical body felt fine. But what about us today? What are you doing to declare the evidence? The evidence that Jesus did by feeding 5,000 was a miracle that people saw and thought, wow, Jesus, how can this man use five loaves, two fishes, whatever, and feed people? But actually, as children of God, ask yourself, I've been battling with my mind. How many people have you fed this week? How many people have you fed this month? How many people have you brought? And I'm not talking about food, as I said. It is the spiritual food. 
How many people have you brought to Christ? How many people have you brought to the fact that actually, if I feed you and I bring you up in Christ, it is more than you would ever ask or imagine. Hallelujah. Now they said, um, Jesus raised people from the, Jesus raised the dead. That's right. What can we do? I ask. We can raise people to a new spiritual life. We can raise people. So many people are dead in sin. I'm not saying we're innocent. As I said last week, Dick and Ajay really did a good job of sin and what we need to do. But actually, when people are dead in sin, you see somebody, you know that this person is perishing. The wages of sin is death. You know that this person is dying or you know they're right there in sin. What are you doing? Do you turn a blind eye? What are we doing? Are we turning? How many people are we feeding with that spiritual? So Jesus raised physically. I know of men of God. I know of children of God who have prayed for people and they've risen from the dead. So it's not impossible. But actually in our own little way, what are we doing in terms of raising people from the dead? People who are going down the wrong path. You see family members. You see loved ones who are going down. Are you thinking about bringing these people back to Christ? Hallelujah. Now we talk about Jesus healing the sick. Jesus, when he was leaving, he commissioned and he empowered us to do the same. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He raised, cast out demons. He said freely, hallelujah. Jesus said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So we can, hallelujah. We have the power to keep doing that as children of God. And, and by doing that, what we're doing is to, con to keep that evidence alive. We keep declaring. We keep showing that Jesus can. And Jesus is the truth, the way and the life. Hallelujah. Now, another one I picked out here was washing of feet of the disciples. Um, excuse me, I was speaking to, I think, my mom last week or so. And she said, oh, I'm going to church. And I said, oh, good. She said, oh, our pastor is washing our feet today. I went, oh, okay. I said, oh, interesting. I said, but mom, it's... COVID, what? she said, oh, no, 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 they do it in a safe way. So I found that interesting. But actually, some churches are still going through the old school and washing feet. But Jesus, what Jesus was actually doing for us at this point, he was showing humility and service. That was the essence. What Jesus was doing was not just about, you know, I don't want you washing my feet necessarily, you know. But what Jesus was doing is service and humility. We talk to our pastors here. I often say, God, pastor, you're so humble. But as children of God, some of us have been eaten by the spirit of pride. How does Jesus see, how, you know, how can people see Jesus in you? If we're saying, if Jesus is saying greater works than I did, you do. But you're so eaten with the spirit of pride. Sometimes even just to acknowledge where you've gone wrong, it, you will rather die just because. Hallelujah. Just because. But Jesus, and you see, my problem here is, if we say we're children of God and we believe, and if we say as children of God, God is asking us to do greater, then what sort of evidence are we declaring if we're living a life of pride, a life of, you know, a life that doesn't glorify, and yet we want to do greater. So if God, if Jesus himself washed the feet of the disciples, we've got to ask ourselves, how, how, how deeper can we go? How deeper? Can you look at a child and say, look, I'm sorry for what I did. Just for humility. What Jesus was teaching us was service. When it comes to service, I asked, what sort of service? Is it eye service or is it real service? And I want to use this opportunity to remind us. I want to invite us as children of God. What service are you declaring? 
Jesus' service was not eye service. It was real. Everything he did was real. And if you're saying truly that you're a child of God and you want to declare what Jesus is doing, Jesus wasn't proud. He didn't carry himself. He would, he would get to the bottom. He would, he would, I was watching some clips where Jesus would bend down with people in places that if you and I went today, you'd probably go, oh, it stinks. Jesus went right there. And I'm inviting us today, if you really want to declare the evidence, it's important for us to remind ourselves that the world is looking for Jesus through us. The only Jesus that these people can see is us. And if you're every, everyday life, you know, looking at all the miracles, when we say, okay, these miracles, they're big things, so they're, they're things that, you know, oh my God, I can't even imagine. I've broken them down as little as we could even go. A few months ago, a few weeks ago, Pastor Daly was talking to us and he talked about the hallmark of a Christian. I don't know how many people remember that sermon. Hallelujah. He talked about the hallmark of a Christian. And, you know, for me, my question is, as he sat there, I was like, yeah, absolutely. What message do you portray as a child of God? When you're sat here in church and outside of church, what will your colleagues, what will your children, what will your friends, what will your family, what, what, what are you reflecting? What do they see through you? I hear the word sometimes, he's just been a hypocrite or she's just been a hypocrite. And unfortunately, many a times as children of God, that is what people are doing. You say one thing and then you do another. What message are you declaring? You gossip, you backbite, are you carrying anger? As a child of God, yeah, Jesus had the holy anger. He came into the temple, all of that. But we know that that was, Jesus' anger wasn't onto spite. It wasn't onto maliciousness. What anger, what bitterness. I'm really kind of going through my mind and saying, God, if I am the Bible that people are reading, we always say, we know it, but I've had a different insight to it this time. I've had a different insight. My everyday move, and it's not today I'm reflecting Jesus, tomorrow I could just kind of, step back. It has to be a daily check up. It has to be a mo moment by moment. What are my words saying? What is my action saying? What are people seeing? Every time I step into a room, can people feel the presence of God? Or are they just seeing somebody who's a hypocrite? Somebody who's celebrating Easter, but your focus is on Easter eggs. And that's what it is, because people are acknowledging that, yeah, Christians believe it's the resurrection of Christ, but it's got nothing to do with what they're doing. Their focus is on other things. Are we, as children of God, carrying all of those things that cost the Holy Spirit to just do that? Or are we inviting so that when people see us, when people see us, when they look at us, the fact that, you know, people will look at us and say, yes, I can imagine that that's how Jesus did. There's a song that said, I ask myself, what will Jesus do? I ask myself all the time. These guys, they'll say, oh, but he did, he did. I'll say, what will Jesus do? Hallelujah. That's a question we need to be asking ourselves. The fact that you obey, you know, you obey the, 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 the Ten Commandments, the fact that you, you, you don't, maybe you ask yourself as an adult, I, I think I've shared before, when I was little, I used to think once you become an adult, you're never going to sin because you have your money, you have your job, so why would you need to steal? You have your husband, why would you, all of those things, you know, as a child, things like that. But actually, it is not enough. God is asking a little bit more from us. It is not enough to do nothing. It is not enough to sit there and say, because I'm not sinning, then I don't need to declare the evidence. People don't come to live with you. It's what you show. The only way that people can be saved is through the word of God. And by somebody reaching out to them and telling them and showing them the love of God. At the beginning, we spoke about declaring means to show. 
How do you show the love of God within your family? Do you show the love of God outside of your family and then inside of your family, you're a demon from hell? So one, so you, a bit like what I said, when we talked, when we talked about um, un, unsubstantiated or even when we look at those evidence, one of them being um, unfounded, they will say to you, it, it means that the person who reported misinterpreted what they saw. Are you, are you somebody who can easily be misinterpreted? Because outside you're nice to everybody, you're an angel and within you're not. Hallelujah. Amen. What is your daily evidence? What do you want people to say? The kindness, basic things. You're being mean to people around you. You gossip. You choose. And I think I struggle more with those. You choose the people that you're nice to and that you choose those that you're horrible to. And yet you call yourself a child of God. I don't think I saw anywhere in the Bible where Jesus was choosing, picking and choosing. He didn't do a pick and mix. Jesus was true to himself all across. Whether or not we're not saying, I don't lie. The fact that you don't lie, the fact that you don't steal, the fact that you don't do anything like that, it means you're sitting on the fence. You're lukewarm because you're not yielding. You're not bringing people to Christ. You're not bringing the word to people. You're not raising people from the dead. The life of sin and shame. Hallelujah. I want to invite us today to think very carefully as we look at Easter. You know, I listened to this program and these women went at length what they were going to celebrate today. And I thought, wow, amazing how much effort people put into celebrating Easter. But actually, where do you stand as a Christian? This is the question I want to leave us with. Are you a substantiated Christian? One who will prove the evidence that Jesus actually does exist through you? through your words, through your actions, through the way you treat people. And I'm really, as I said, I am very mindful of those people that will pick and choose. I'm very mindful of those people that in church we raise our hand and it's holy and holy. You step outside, it's a different thing. We need to stand as properly concrete evidence of the word of God. Your Christianity needs to be substantiated so that when we get eyewitnesses, when we get accounts, when people see you, when you speak, you reflect Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you going to stand as an unsubstantiated Christian? One who's neither guilty nor innocent. Why? Look warm. You say, well, the fact that I'm not doing this. When it, I, I would even ask myself, when last did I even bring someone to Christ? When last? I want to believe that if I didn't physically speak to someone, that someone has seen my ways. Someone has seen the way I carry myself, the way I speak, the way I move, the way I treat others and decided that, you know what, I want the Jesus that this woman serves. That's the kind of thing that I'm hoping that even if you're not physically going out, that your lifestyle causes people to come to Jesus. Hallelujah. That your lifestyle, that somebody can see you and say, this woman is always on fire for God. That's how I want to be. So I'm not innocent of what I share today. But you being cold and hot, what does the Bible say? Hallelujah. Lukewarm. That's the way, indeed, pastor. Indeed. That's the worst. Are you going to be a Christian that is unfounded? Absolutely no evidence of Christ in you. Apart from Sunday, you come to church, we're all dancing. What will Jesus do? And you're dancing, you're singing. And then the minute you step up, there's no evidence of Christ in you. Not in the way you speak, not in the way you carry yourself, not in the way you... As children as well, you go to school, nobody can distinguish you from the unbelievers. 
Nobody can say, oh, this child is a child from a, a Christian home or this child is a child of God. And actually, your lifestyle has no ev zero evidence. So your outcome is unfounded. Or are we going to then be another one I like to call the malicious ones? We looked at the malicious people who they, their intent was to bring down the name of Christ. People are like that in this world. All they want to do is to bring down Jesus. Anything that makes people praise God, anything that will bring you down. But if you're that kind of Christian where your intent is to, to, to deceive, those are the ones I call the wolf in sheep clothing. Behind closed doors, what do you do? How do you treat people? Treating people. I know Jesus was so kind. When we're saying, God, you're a faithful God. God, you're a kind God. God, you say you will do what you say. What you say you will do, you do. How many of us can be held to account that when we say we will do something, we actually do it? Those are the virtues. Going back to pastor's term, the hallmark. I'm not going to the fruits of the spirit and things. They're just basic everyday things. And even as we come to this time of Easter, where we're reminded of the sacrifice that Christ put for you and for I, I think it's really important that we start going back to basis. Declaration of the evidence is not necessary. Not everybody can read. Not everybody will read. Not everybody will have the opportunity to be in a church. But what people can see is you and I and how we reflect Jesus. So I invite us this morning, I invite us this afternoon, that as we go through Easter, whether we have the Easter eggs, whether we have all what we do, and in our daily lives, I'm inviting us to constantly ask ourselves, are we reflecting Jesus? Are we reflecting Jesus in our speech? Are we reflecting Jesus in our actions? Are we reflecting Jesus? There has to be something different about you. You cannot be unsubstantiated. You cannot be unfounded. You need to carry an evidence. And this morning, I just want us to bow our heads as we begin to ask God that in any way that we've not declared him, any way that we've sat on the fence, any way that we've done or said something that has minimized who Jesus is, Jesus said to us that he's asking that the things that he has done, greater things is he asking us to do. I'm not here to just kind of get the children excited or whatever. I'm here to say greater things. I want to believe in a life that every morning when I wake up, every moment, every second, I'll be saying, God, have I said something that has made you unfounded? Have I said something that has given a different de declaration of you? I want to declare Jesus. I want to declare him in my walk, in my talk, in my actions, in what I say, in what I do. I want you to open your mouth this morning and just say, God, in any way, any way that we haven't declared you, any way that we've done anything that has just not been exactly what you've ordained or what you've expected of us. Father, we're asking this morning that you forgive us, oh God. Father, let's not be like the world. Let's not be like the world doubting you because indeed, if we're doubting, if we're not declaring Jesus, then actually, we're no different from the world who's asking whether Jesus actually raised the dead. If people can't see through us, how are we showing it? Open your mouth this morning and just say, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, take me back to that place. If you're one of those that used to say, I'm always on fire for Jesus, what happened to the fire? What happened to the fire? What happened to the fire? Ask the Lord to restore that fire this morning. Ask the Lord to bring you back to that place so that we can declare him. Numa, I want us to stand out differently. That every time people see us, they would say there's something about that church. And it's not gossiping. It's not backbiting. It's not picking and choosing. It's actually sincerely, deeply reflecting Jesus. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your reservation power. We thank you, oh God, that if it was not for you, we don't know where we would have been. And Lord, we're asking that, Lord, you rekindle all within us, oh God, that in everything we do, in everything we say, Father, that we will reflect you. Father, let us declare you. Let us declare you. Let the world see you through us, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all honor. We give you all adoration. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.